You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 384, brought to you by Valiant Comics Harbinger Wars and iFanboy listeners just like you. The sandy-haired son of Hollywood Lost his faith in all that's good Close the curtain, unplug the clock Hung his clothes on the shower rod But he never got undressed And no, he never made a mess Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 384. My name is Paul Montgomery. Joining me, Mr. Ryan Haupt. Hi, I'm filling in for Josh. I've had a donut. I've been working on my Michael Caine impression. I'm ready to do this. That was a really good Michael Caine impression just there. And, uh, and our special guest this week, Mr. Connor Kilpatrick. Good morning. At iFanboy.com, we like comics and we read comics. And every week we read a bunch of comics. And then one of us picks the best book and writes about it on the website. And then we talk about it on this year's podcast along with various other topics of interest. It's a, whole, it's a, it's a fun thing. It's a, it's a proven thing. It just works. It's a great formula. Before we get to the show, quick reminder slash warning this is a review show, and we will be talking about the things that happened in this week's book. So if you're worried about spoilers, just go away. Just leave. We don't want you. Go. And let's do it later. Why did you start listening to it in the first place? This week, Mr. Kilpatrick had the pick. Connor, what'd you like? Another quick warning, and this is a bit of a curtain uh, pullback, is that normally we record this show in the afternoon when we're all sort of happy and, and awake and had lunch. And for me, we're recording well before noon. This is a pre-lunch show. This is a, almost a pre-breakfast show. So. But I've also learned that you guys are not are not coffee drinkers, which explains your lack of enthusiasm. So if I'm just, just saying, if I nod off in the middle, that's that's why. All right, caffeine is the most widely consumed drug on the planet. I don't know where our enthusiasm comes from when we have it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It comes from um, good comics, <laughs> Paul. Speaking of good comics, Animal Man number twenty was my pick of the week. Animal Man, if you recall, way back when when the, the New Fifty Two started. 20 months ago, Animal Man was one of the best books. It was one of the buzz books. It was one of the books we loved on the show and on the website. Uh, the first issue was Pick of the Week. The sixth issue was Pick of the Week. And now the 20th issue is Pick of the Week, uh, which is funny because, and I didn't know this until after I decided on the pick, this is part two of a story that began in the sixth issue. So both sides of this story I bet, were Pick of the Week, which uh, makes sense to me because they're fantastic. What this story is is basically looking into the film that Buddy Baker shot when he was uh tried acting give acting this is his darren aronofsky film that right. he did on the Called side tight. so basically what happened in the sixth issue was that on their little road trip to hell buddy baker's son cliff watched the first half of the movie on his phone until the battery died and that's that's, that's what we saw then this this part and the aftermath of cliff's death buddy is watching the second half of this film and so basically the move the issue is mostly scenes from the movie as drawn by john paul leon which parallel emotionally his life there's a lot of subtext. I remember when the last time it was picked, people complained that this was a filler story. It didn't make any sense, and it didn't connect to the main story. Missing the points. Which, of course, was bollocks, because it's all about the subtext of what we're actually seeing and how it relates to what's happening in Buddy's life. It's all related emotionally. I love the concept of the fact that this is a character who isn't your typical superhero. He has an innate sense of heroism, but he also has a lot of other interests, and one of which is being an activist for animal rights, and one of which is being an occasional actor. And I love the idea that he starred in this film about a down-and-out superhero. And the issue ends with him finding out that he has been nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for the film. At the the worst possible time. In the midst of his horrible, horrible pain from his son's death, living in squalor in a, in, a, in, in a bedroom that's seen better days and 
uh, just not wanting to deal with the world, he's now going to be thrust into the spotlight of the world. And as it says in the teaser for next issue, fame comes to Buddy Baker. So uh, there's a lot going on here, and I just I love every bit of it. I love the idea of just entering into this into this movie and seeing the world through that. Yeah, Buddy's uh, a really he's a well-rounded guy, and so like you said, he has other interests, he has other other skill sets, and that he's an actor. And then there's also the whole thing; he's a family man too, and so. We're getting a bigger picture of who he is as as a person, and and I like that a lot. And I like this stuff and, and these issues, like you said, issue six was the other one that was yes. sort of the first half of this. Mm-hmm. These issues, even though they're departures, they're more to the core of what I liked about that first issue and what I like about Buddy Baker in general from older Animal Man stories. And it's sort of it's, – it's sad, but some of the – like the superhero stuff, the other stuff that's the more – mainstream kind of thing or it's it's kind of it's 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 more of a horror bent to it um obviously but that stuff is is less interesting to me and that and the raw world stuff i mean really lost me well i think i think one of the benefits of this book or one of the pluses is that we're now out of the raw world story and this this felt totally much more towards what we liked in the beginning it seems to be oh we remember that was when the book was really good and people liked it this let's get back to that at least that's what it felt like to me in this issue. You know, we go back to Steve Pugh or Pugh or Poe or however you say his name next. Right. Who he's a fine artist. I just don't think he's right for this book anymore. And uh, I think one of the things that was best about this issue was that John Paulion and Timothy Green II were the artists, and their art fit the story much better. So this could be a one-issue sort of oasis until we return back to what we haven't loved so much for the last year. But for now, anyway, I think this was really great. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in wait and see mode with this one. To mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, as uh, like it was, I think this was my favorite. Yeah, this was my favorite. You know, number one issue coming into the new Fifty Two. It was up there with with Batman and everything like that. But yeah, it's just sort of it's gone in and out of my interest level. So Ryan, did you read this? Yeah, I loved it. I honestly, this I can't think of a much better compliment. But this almost read like an issue of Astro City. Yeah. Yeah. where it had a lot of themes going on, a lot of real-world issues of being a superhero, and a lot of like metatextual stuff that just felt very much in, vein, in the vein of an Astro City-style issue. Which And then John Paulione just killed it. Yeah. Um, I've liked his art for a while, and I think this is the best thing I've seen from him in a long time. Yeah, yeah it's, a main, it's a real mainstay in uh, Best Covers of the Week. I love praising his stuff to the, to the rafters, but um, it's, it's, it feels kind of rare, at least these days, to see the interior stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this was a, this was a nice treat, and um, I like that it kind of. If you didn't know what this issue was all about going into it, I mean, just flipping it open, you're kind of it's a bit jarring because it's wait, who are all these characters? And like, oh right, yeah, that movie you made, and so it's this nice surprise, and it comes at a really important point for a refresh because with you know the death of of that that mullet. Um, and the kid, the kid who had the mullet, um, too, like, he shouldn't be forgotten either. But that mullet um, was really important. It was, it was impressive in, in mullet. It was just like this, this big, you know, finger to everybody. Like, you know, I'm going to keep this hairstyle, and like he kept it till the end. His whole entire existence, he had that mullet. The story in the movie was great too. I like, you know, this is a really low level D-list superhero in this world. You know, the, the Justice League is real, at least the world of the movie. But he's he's a superhero who runs around in a homemade costume and. His video goes viral. He, he finds fame. Fame is, is fun and fleeting. It, it ends up crushing his life in the same way that Buddy's quest for heroism has sort of crushed his life. So there, there are a lot of interesting parallels running through the two stories. And I, I just I love this. I, lo- I would love to continue to go back to the film. I wish it wasn't over. Yeah. I heard a lot of comparisons to, uh, to Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they're blonde. They're certain. Well, they're certainly there, in the, yeah, <laughs> and they're always the, bandaged up. <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, the the visual style, and then you know, the, the, just the storytelling style, but then also just the fact that it's it's a it's a superhero story, but it's not the typical superhero story. It's mm-hmm. it's about the rest of their life. It's what they're doing when they're not avenging or whatever the logline in Hawkeye is. Right, and that's that's a lot of fun, and I and I wish that they could sustain that, and people would be interested enough to keep coming back to that month after month. Well, there, there was a mix of it in the beginning, and then we got mired in, in Rot World right. for so long. And in the, in the beginning, he was a superhero, but he was also a dad, and he was also you know, doing PR for this movie, and he was also on T-shirts, and he was also, you know, the, the, the great first page of that first issue, where he, did the, he was giving an interview about his life, and it was, it was an interesting mix for a character, and it got stuck in that, that story, and which you know, ultimately I really liked parts of, but it, it totally derailed the book from what it was in the beginning that people loved. But it is what it is. This is a nice, really nice issue. And if it doesn't go back to this tone, if it goes back to the more standard superhero stuff, that's that's fine. But for now, you know, Animal Man Twenty, I really enjoyed. I love the moment when he pulls open his shirt and he's, you know, like he's got the tux on and he's yeah. wearing his costume, which is such a mo- it's a moment we're so used to seeing in superhero comics. And then it's pointed out to him in the next page. Like, why were you wearing that under a tux? That was ridiculous. <laughs> really uncomfortable and hot. Uh, well, speaking of Hawkeye, Hawkeye number 10 came out this week, which was an issue drawn by Francisco Francovia, who we really love. Also another mainstay in the best uh, covers feature that yes. Paul does. Um, I thought this issue, slightly different tone, because I think Fraction does right for his artist. This one was much more of a scary story. We got a little bit of... Well, we, we, we've met the guy who showed up at the end of the last issue and murdered Grills, and I thought he's pretty terrifying. Yeah, really scary. Reminds me a bit of uh, there's there's something there's sort of like a like a drive kind of thing, like like yeah, Ryan I Gosling, Ryan Gosling putting that mask on and looking through the door. Like I remember seeing that trailer. You no, know. that was terrifying. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's it's unsettling. Is is the other thing? It's it's not just horror. It's it's just kind of unnerving. And and I think the uh, one I don't of the think horror is a proper word. It's more like serial killer scary than you know than uh, than like monster scary. No, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I th- I think really it's, I mean that you said it right. It's it's a tonal shift and. You know, we're seeing a side of, you know, the bros um, who are sort of this sort of a joke from the beginning and like a stereotype and kind of a one note kind of thing and seeing it from another perspective and it makes it all the more menacing and kind of tragic too. I was also kind of interested in, in, in your perspective on it, Connor, because I mean, this is all about, I mean, a lot of this is about what it, what it means to be a New Yorker and um, it's not necessarily a love letter to, to New York, but it's it's another one of those comics, and this is sort of a common thing. But it's 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 speaking to what it's like to be in New York, and and that sense of I don't know. It's 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 unlike anywhere else in the world. Right. No, there was there was a great speech. That basically the story is that uh, Kate's at one of her family's high end parties because her family's super rich and well in, in New York, and and she meets a guy, and they talk a lot about New York, which what she doesn't realize is the guy she's talking to is this creepy. Uh, assassin for hire who came out of a really bad part of uh, Eastern Europe. Well, right. didn't he come out of a circus? So he's kind of he's like Hawkeye in that respect. Yeah, uh, he was. Oh, came yeah, out of the cir- he, came, yeah. he came out of the circus. The circus burned down. He, the only reason he he lived through the war was the bros found him and turned him uh, turned him into a assassin. And um, so she meets this guy at a party. They get they hit, you know she, he's he's good looking. They he's charming. You know they flirt and. But they talk a lot about living in New York. I like that part a lot. I mean, living in New York is a complicated sort of mix of, of things. You have to love it and hate it at the same time. 
but I, you know, in the background of, of this whole boy meets girl scenario is this terrifying flashback sequence that culminates in uh, the murder that we saw in the, in the last issue of, of girls on the roof of Hawkeye's building, uh, which is still terrifying, even though we, we've seen it before. The last, pa- the last panel of him holding the, gun, the smoking gun was just creepy as all hell. Uh, it's that really simple white face paint tear design. It's just creepy. He's a scary mime, you know? He's a yeah. scary clown. <laughs> mime um, was scary enough, but you add a gun and a teardrop. Did I miss, or are we still looking forward to the issue that's all from the dog's point of view? Is that happening? I hadn't Is heard that, about that. I just, remember, I just remember hearing all about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It's like the, like the uh, mysterious incident of the dog in the nighttime or something. And it's like it's all about voice and it's from the perspective of the dog. Maybe that's, maybe that's coming up. But I just feel like it was, it was talked about for a lot and then I never I've remembered never reading it. That. Did you dream it? No. It was, <laughs> it, I, but, uh, but then we, dog I, cops episode? I feel like it's, I, maybe it's maybe it's the next issue or something, but it's about, I think it's about the dog witnessing the murder of grills and that or like stumbling on it and then the mystery from a dog's point of view and i thought that was i was i've been really looking forward to it so maybe, maybe it's next i don't know that's possible well hawkeye continues to be good i like the fact that he can change tones you know you can do a really good sort of goofy funny caper issue and then you can do like a creepy serial killer issue and it all sort of yeah. works together it doesn't it doesn't feel jarring and as you as you said i really like that he he wrote that fraction wrote to his artist like it's he didn't try to have him do David Aja stuff, yeah. which I wouldn't have worked. No, they don't have the right them. It's it's a different thing. So, um, yeah. And we don't talk a lot about DC books these days. Although this week we're going to talk about it more than usual because uh, it was a lot for me a light week of Marvel books. But one of the best books continues to be Earth Two. Earth Two number twelve came out, and I really like what James Robinson is doing here. Slowly building the team. We've got quite a large team at this point. Not large, but it's getting there. We've got Green Lantern. We've got Flash. We've got Hawk Girl. We have seen the Atom, and uh, we've seen Mr. Terrific, and now uh, we've basically full, got the full-fledged introduction of Dr. Fate. And I just, I really love this. It feels very much like classic James Robinson. He's in his little bubble. It's, it's almost like when he was in a Starman bubble, and he just he's allowed to build his world and build the characters and build the relationships at the pace he wants to do it at. And uh, when you have someone like Nicola Scott and Trevor Scott doing the art, all the better. I thought this was another wonderful issue of Earth, too. Who is the new Batman of Earth 2 is what I'm We're gonna find out being told to ask. It's going to be the annual. <laughs> so What's happening next, I believe? Next issue, War, Fire, Captain Steel, and Batman. So there you go. But uh, I'm really surprised you're not reading this, Paul. I'm a bit behind on it. I, I, I think I got a little bit lost in the introduction to Fate. Like there, It was very wordy in the last issue or the one before that. I don't know, but... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get back into it because I gotta know who is the new Batman. It very much feels like the old kind of JSA stories. You know, the characters are are there. That's my bread and butter. I mean, that's my that's that that was my. I mean, I'm more of a JSA guy than a JLA guy, and a lot of that has to do when when I got back into comics, and that was the height. I mean, that was the start of mm-hmm. Jeff Johns working on the thing uh, is James Robinson is a very specific writing style. I mean, people yeah. I think people either like it or don't like it. Uh, Ever since I, you guys pointed out how he bolds the words, sometimes it can be very difficult to read for me because I'm kind of like reading it in my head with the right tone and it just gets kind of silly. Ryan, you read this, but not, I having, did read this. not having read the series before at all? Or, uh, uh, I'd read the first couple of issues and then kind of dropped off for I don't even know why. I think I just, you know, it was one of those where I forgot about it one month and the next month I was like, oh, oops. So, um, yeah. I, but I went ahead and picked this up and, you know, I feel like, I feel like Dr. Fate is one of those characters that they're constantly reinventing and reintroducing. Mm-hmm. 
So I feel like that's a pretty commonly told story. I was glad that they didn't do too much with his redesign because as as we've yeah. all mentioned, some of these redesigns are are not good. And there's a nice little scene where Jay's costume is all messed up and he asks Fate to fix it. And Fate's like, no, it's within you. And I'm like, well, if it's within you, can you within something different? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there, I think you'd be hard-pressed to get a better Dr. Fate interpretation than uh, what they did with Young Justice, the the, car, the animated series. There was – Bill uh, Willingham wrote an issue where uh, Detective Chimp had the Fate helmet. And that yes, was, that was right, great. Right, right, right. But I think as the team is growing – you're getting that JSA dynamic. You're starting to. In the beginning, it was basically just Green Lantern and Flash, and it was more like a, you know, a buddy cop book. But and now- it's it's nice in this book because even as somebody who only read the first couple of issues and then jumped back in, it's very clear from the way it's being written that the strongest rapport on the team is between these two characters. Like yeah. that's that's just obvious on the face of and it. It should and be. Because they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're the linchpins of the... Of the but it's yeah. just, it's cool watching, like, it's cool watching Alan Scott be a little awkward with Hot Girl and not really know how to, like, balance his responsibilities and, you know, everybody trying to figure out who or what this Dr. Fate thing is. And I just, yeah, I thought he balanced uh, the relationships really well and kind of that getting to know each other as a superhero fraternity. Yeah. All right, I'm going to get back into it. Not, not just for new Batman, but for all the and then know, at the team end, dynamics. They, they, hung out, they, hung, they were hanging out in... Uh, Alan Scott's, you know, very nice apartment. They've got their own Tony Stark. Ryan being on the show means Age of Ultron is back. I didn't know that I was the only one reading this. Yay. Do you not like it? I dropped off. Okay, I, I dropped why? Off I, I did as well, because it's muddy and... Um, it, I don't want to I don't, I don't be that guy and say it doesn't matter, but no, there, is a, there is a sense that it's very ancillary. It doesn't, yeah, but it that's, doesn't I think that's what it, I like about it. I think it's, okay. it's nice being out of the grind, guys. And I, just, I, didn't, I didn't drop off because it was ancillary. Cause I, 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 I dropped off because I wasn't finding it compelling. And okay. I, I really had that, a, that would be my chief reason. I really well, had but. a problem with the art, and I know the art has changed. but um. Yeah, so it's Brandon Peterson now, whom yeah. I like a lot. And this issue is basically... So last issue, spoiler warning, Wolverine kills Hank Pym in the past before he creates Ultron. Um, okay. So Wolverine and Sue Storm go back in time. There's a group of the Avengers in the future. We haven't seen what they've been up to in a while. But right now we're kind of focused on Sue Storm and Wolverine team up, which is a very weird pairing that doesn't quite... Uh, it, I mean, it works, but it it's, it's awkward. I remember um, reading that you know that Wolverine and the X-Men issue that it was Matt Kent. Yeah, yeah. So they so they so Wolverine straight up murdered Hank Pym right as he was having the idea for Ultron. And now they've come back to the present... And now RC. Biff owns a casino, and pretty much it's, <laughs> it's all messed up. <laughs> that is kind of what it is, and <clears throat> who doesn't love an alternate present, you know, sure. alternate future storyline? So, you know, the Kree Skull War made it to Earth, and uh, the Defenders are the main team as opposed to the Avengers. So it's Colonel America and Star Lord because they have to put him in everything now, and uh, <laughs> Janet. Janet is the uh, is Captain Marvel, and. And Cable has like a Cyclops vibe going on. And there's still a Wolverine who just seems like regular Wolverine. So then there's a Wolverine versus Wolverine fight. So it's um it's it's just kind of Sue Storm and Wolverine trying to figure out what's going on in this alternate present, and the defenders not really knowing what thinking they're scrolls, because I guess the scroll invasion is still a big part of this this present. And Tony Stark has this army of iron robot things. So I don't know, it's just kind of wacky and fun, and there's big ideas and what if kind of scenarios and I, I you know who doesn't love a good what if so and so it's like mary an old maid and she works at the library now and it's called pottersville and 
Pimsville. <laughs> I just didn't. Fi- I didn't find it interesting. That's all. That's is the vibe that they now was like, oh no, this is worse. We have to save Ultron, and no, we Wolverine need a little bit still, of Ultron. Wolverine is still very steadfast in trying to figure out. Uh, he's trying to. He's trying to rationalize that this present is better. So he's still saying, you know, we've made it better. And Sue Storm is the one having doubts where she's kind of like, well, now that Hank Pym's dead, we don't get Vision. And what does Vision mean to the Avengers? And is he uh, relevant? And, and is he is, is having Vision worth having Ultron? So I think that's what it's going to come down to eventually. What's their place then? Because, like, do they still like, they still exist? Right, they still exist, but it's, it's not clear that they're supposed to. Like, supposedly Sue and Reed haven't been back on Earth for years, so everybody's very surprised to see Sue and Ben Grimm's there, and he has a reaction. And, and then the fact that there's a completely separate and distinct Wolverine. So there's still a lot of unanswered questions, and I'm kind of just along for the ride and enjoying, I, you know, I don't, the whole whether or not it matters thing is irrelevant. That's not an issue for me at all. I, I wish I found it compelling because I do I do really like alternate timeline stories. But yeah, and it's got Steve with an eye patch, and he's got like the the three Wolverine scars, like Nick Fury has in the Ultimate Universe, and all that. So uh, there's, there's a lot of fun little ideas happening. Well, can I can I interest you guys in not necessarily alternate timelines, but alternate versions of people living in the same timeline in all new X Men number eleven, mm-hmm. the continuing conversation between the uncanny x-men and the all-new x-men and the big fight over over original angel which kind of got spoiled in the last issue of uncanny uh, two X-Men issues ago, it was just, wasn't it was it two issues okay that's it was yeah the end of the end of the two issues ago and then last issue was the full-on yeah. that definitely weakened this issue for me yeah it kind of it kind of hurts that you know especially because so much of the issue is dedicated to that and like there's a really it i mean Bendis makes a really big deal about, oh, no, and, like, seeing it from Warren's perspective, looking at everyone else, gasping in response to it yeah. being him. And it's just, like, they're selling it so much that it hurts. It really hurts the fact that yeah. they did it out of order. So that's a little bit of a problem. But I think the issue rebounds, especially with there's sort of a party of five vibe between Kitty and, and Gene having a bit of a heart-to-heart on the basketball court. It's just like it felt like 90s TV to me in a, in a good way. I like the soap opera aspect I love, to this. I love that aspect of it, yeah. And I'm continually impressed with the fact, that I've, and we've talked about this before, that they're actually following through on the promise of this story that – it's going to be past versions of characters interacting with the present versions. And then in a bit, as we heard from C2E2, they're going to do this Battle of the Atom thing and we're going to have future X-Men <laughs> coming in. And there's going to be three different versions. And the strength of this makes me excited for that yeah. because it's – and it's also it's, – it's going to be Bendis Wood and Jason Aaron working on it. And all really good names and all really good with these X-Men characters. So I'm excited for that now. And – I just think it's great that usually a story like this, I think the character stuff would get lost in the plot action stuff of the event. Where this, it's probably, you know, nails on a chalkboard for some readers that like, why can't we have some momentum? Why can't we see some fighting and stuff? But I actually, I really like it. It's a, it's a talking head issue. It's a conversation issue. That's really refreshing. And, and, and also, this issue introduces a threat from the Uncanny Avengers. Which, okay, Thor. so yeah. I thought that was, I, I, you know, I'm curious to see what happens, but it's like, 
we started off this issue with the almost the exact same standoff between Wolverine's X-Men and Cyclops' X-Men, and then mm-hmm. we end the issue with now Wolverine's X-Men are going to flex and stare at the Uncanny Avengers for the next issue, and I'm kind of like... going to be awesome. Yeah, I just, I don't know. It's all about putting great characters in a room together and having them bounce off each other. But And I, I understand where you're coming from because we did see that in Uncanny Avengers when they went to Australia, right? Because right? they, yeah. they met up with the, the Uncanny Avengers there. So, I mean, but eventually I'm, we'll run out of combinations. Yeah, it, the, the, the luster will wear off, but it's still really kind of exciting to see the X-Men actually interacting with the Avengers in... A meaningful way, and that's not true. just being... that's true. When I saw when I saw Thor flying up behind the Blackbird, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You don't get that every yeah, day. Yeah, it's like you never. Yeah. I mean, like you see that sometimes, but it's just sort of I don't know. It's it's just to in in larger events to say that these characters all exist in the same world, but it's kind of deep background, very superficial. One of the things about this issue also was that I kind of got Warren's point of view because <laughs> it's complete chaos good. at the school. You know, mm-hmm. like while, while obviously I'm on the side of the school as opposed to Scott's side because Scott is awful. It's terrible, terrible person. Uh, I could see it. Like it's nuts. People are, you know, there's a, there's a million people all yelling at each other at once, and and no one seems to know what they're doing. And it, and meanwhile, so this other group shows up and says, "Hey, you know, we got it all figured out. Come with us." And and I could see the appeal of that, especially to a 16 year old who who doesn't want to be in the middle of this chaos. I mean, there's- yeah, and it's such a, and I like that they're really putting the emphasis on just how traumatic this would be to learn, you know, for imagine you're Warren Worthington, you, you spoiled rich kid, and you find out that, you know, all this shit happens to you. Right. And you go through all this stuff and end up like that. And then the same thing for Jean, who, you know, she's got a school named after her because she's dead. And, so th- and that's heavy stuff. And, and she's also dealing with burgeoning, you know, telepathic powers. And- I really like the gene dilemma, which is yeah. I can make anyone do whatever I want. So I'm just going to do that. And, uh, that's why I'm on the podcast this week. <laughs> you, is that what you did? Yeah, I mind managed you both. Oh, <laughs> but it, it continues to be one of my favorite books out there. All New X-Men uh, was really... Plus Eminem. Can we say Eminem? Just, just, can we just say it? Do we need to say anything else? It's funny because when he was gone for that arc and Marquez drew it, I thought it was great. But then when Eminem came back, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like them both. I, I, no, I mean, they're both great, but I like, you know, Eminem I is, love them both, actually. I, Eminem, I think it Eminem always looks wonderful. good. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great uh, way of just drawing chaotic scenes really elegantly. In the meantime, this episode of My Fanboys Pick League Podcast is brought to you by Harbinger Wars number 3 from Valiant, featuring the debut of the all-new Hardcore by Joshua Dysart, Dwayne Swierczynski, and Clayton Henry. On June 5th, what happens in Vegas must just destroy the Valiant Universe in Harbinger War 3. Uh, find out more at valiantuniverse.com. And Paul, you're still, you're still on those books, right? Yeah, Mind Bullets. Mind Bullets. And they're bringing back all the, you know, the classic stuff, hardcore, hard, if you know, Ron were here, card corpse. Hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. The hardcore, yeah. Connor, tell me about 10 grand, and could you pay me 10 grand to read a J. Michael's it depends, it depends <laughs> on if you like Ben Templesmith. Ten Grand is the new number one issue from Image. It's written by J. Michael Straczynski, drawn by Ben Templesmith. John seems to be uh, understating it. He, you know, he paints the whole thing. Connor, I have, is- a, I have a question for you mm-hmm. before we get into the content of Ten Grand. So I remember you for a while had a uh, no independent books in single issues yeah. thing going. And this is an independent book by J. Michael Straczynski. And if your concern was that they might not finish... I'm very curious to hear why you thought this would be worth reading. This might never be collected because this is, <laughs> well, might be it, all there ever is. It might just be this issue. 
And, yeah, that's a good point. And I really like Ben Templesmith. I wanted to see what he was doing, and it. You know, I'm not saying I'm going to continue reading it. You don't like J. Malcolm Straczynski's Watered Down Hellblazer? What Straczynski has done in the past is he's able to start things really well, which I think <laughs> is part of the anger from you know that comes with his stuff is is that and Superman aside, which was a disaster from the beginning, but he has in the past had really great issues, first issues particularly. It's uh, they start to peter off at, you know, as they go, but you know he does really work well in this milieu. His Midnight Nation story remains uh, one of my favorite it runs in a book. Uh, mm-hmm. That sort of uh, supernatural. Uh, elements so which made me chuckle because midnight nation is all about the guy like walking across the country which obviously there's you know the superman later on but then in the second page of this book the guy mentions that he's like ah it's a nice night i'm gonna walk i'm like of course you're going to walk (laughs) (laughs) why would you take a car it was good i enjoyed it i mean you're right it's a lower in hellblazer but that's what a lot of these stories are i remember reading a mike carey novel a couple years ago that was great that was also basically the same thing you know lower in hellblazer story but you know Temple Smith brings a lot to the table. He really, yeah, he, he does. really does create an interesting and dynamic world in an art style that's completely unlike anything else that you read. And I thought there were some interesting concepts in here. I liked the angel keyboard that you could attach Yeah, that was really computer. cool, the hacking with the angel computer stuff. Apparently that's angels cool. have uh, their own internet? Well, they have their own search engine. Or like they have their own language that if you use on a search engine, you get angel results. Do you have to code for that? I think if you just get an Angel Fire domain name. Angel Fire, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. So the Angel Fire so, thing was really just uh, was a feint. That's what right. Angel's been using, I see. Geocities is for the more terrestrial-based. That's for, like, the slug people. The people right, under, exactly. The, the, the troglodytes. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, Paul, if you really like Templesmith, it's worth reading. Because it, I, it is I do like some Templesmith, really and the, but this this was you know this was part two of the image dilemma with Jupiter's legacy and really being attracted to the art, but then I'm not so sure on the writer, so but I might give this a shot. I mean, it sounds like my kind. It's of probably going to be more Hellblazery than you're going to get from Hellblazer or Constantine, you know. So well, yeah. So there, there you go with that. Iron Man number nine. This is an Iron Man weekend, so Ryan, why are we reading Iron Man number nine? Baby uh, it's, Iron Man. It's the secret origin of Tony Stark, of course. Which is what? Um, we don't know. This is only part one. <laughs> so, well, this is well, this is more about his dad, right? Like his parents and. Oh, okay, so if you've been reading Iron Man, he's in space now. He's got uh, ugly space armor, and he was on this ship planet thing that got destroyed by Celestials, and now right. he's going after the robot that led to its destruction. And he hires Death's Head, who's this giant robot, to help him do it. But then it's a double cross, and the the robot, this Rigelian recorder for four fifty one. Uh, reveals that he had something to do with Tony's dad. And that's kind of the big reveal of the issue. And then coming up next, we're going to figure out just what it was that he had to do with Tony's dad. You know, if they can't sign Robert Downey Jr. to this Guardians of the Galaxy movie, they're going to be really embarrassed. Yeah, well, so the opening scene of this book is him ditching the Guardians of the Galaxy, saying, you've got galaxies to guard, and I've got to go find this robot. So (laughs) that's that's my impression of Robert Downey Jr. It's a a good one. Oh, thanks. I've been working hard. Go uh, audition for SNL. Yes. This is, he was only supposed to blow the bloody doors this off. This was Dale Eaglesham? Yeah, and that was also interesting. Uh, it's a pretty big departure from Greg Land, but I'm not sure how well Dale does doing Tony in the armor. Mm. Tony outside the armor, when we see Tony's face, he has really it's really expressive and it's really good, but I think Eaglesham's style might be a little too organic for this much metal. Yeah, I think I think it takes a very specific artist to do Iron Man really well. 
Especially modern Iron Man with all the different parts. And this is setting up what's going to be kind of like an Ocean's Eleven Z flashback as a you know bit of context. I've been interviewing Kieran for Marvel.com, so I've got some interviews up with him. So I know a little bit of what's coming up, but it's all available to read online. So uh, it's going to be kind of an Ocean's Eleven in Vegas with Tony's dad and a bunch of other Marvel characters that you know doing a, doing a heist. So it's going to be good times coming up in Iron Man, I think. Swamp Thing 20, the second issue by Charles Soule. And, you know, we love Scott Snyder here. We're all big fans of his work. I actually kind of prefer these last two issues to Swamp Thing than to the, uh, what, we've got, what we had before. And, and I didn't really love superhero Swamp Thing. You know, his, his look, they tried to give him sort of a superhero costumey look. With the wings and stuff? With the wings and the chest plate and everything. This seems to me to get back more to the classic horror Swamp Thing walking the earth, encountering problems or causing problems and... And, and yeah, it's a team up with Superman. It must be said. No, it is. But the thing is, it's, it's but it, no, but it's also it's a little a con- bit of both. It's a contrast between that, though. You know, it's, it's no, not- it's definitely there's definitely it's it's a different take on it. And again, it's going away from Rot World, which I don't know what happened. It's just it, it's a it's a misstep, and I think we should just put it behind us. Yep. I, what I liked about this was the interactions with the firefighters of Gotham City, which you don't really think about those guys that often. Metropolis, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Um, I kept yeah, waiting course, for a, a cop to come by and grab one of those axes just as a quiet little, you know, because one day a cop found the perfect fireman's axe. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but it, like, and the, the fact that they're kind of like, ever since you guys showed up with your stupid superpowers, made it real rough on us. We're just trying to do our yeah. job and we got to put out more fires. Um, but I do like that. I, I do also like that aspect of it's, it's Swamp Thing wandering the earth. And it's not like it's not playing into that super abstract rot world stuff. And although he gets mentioned as the avatar at the end, but that's but, always been, you know, yeah, that's always been part of it. But it's like it, it, you, you got to walk a really, you, you walk a really fine line with Swamp Thing, I think, between the superhero stuff and the episodic stuff and then the trippy herbological stuff, right. And I think Charles Soule's doing a good job two issues in so far. I'm, I've been finding the story interesting and compelling. So uh, Abe Sapien, Dark and Terrible number two. This is uh, Mike Mignola and Scott Alley. At least on, so this is like the new Abe Sapien ongoing. But of course, it being Dark Horse, they do it in a series of minis. And it's going to be different writers and different artists each time. I really like this art by Sebastian Fumora. It's kind of got a, um, got a Corbin thing going for it, which I always like in my, my Hellboy stuff. I have a really complicated relationship with Manola stuff right now in the Hellboy universe because I You want to love really, it more than you do. Yeah, I really I, I really miss the simplicity of like the older stuff because now in doing this like hell on earth thing, there's a lot of exposition going on in these issues. This is issue two. Issue one, it, like it's there's it's so much catching up with where the world is. But I like to, to hope that in the coming months it's going to plateau and we're not going to have to deal with t- telling everybody how the world works now, the fact that there are mutants all over the place and we can just go about our business and tell more fairy tale and like folktale kind of stories that I really love about Hellboy and, and, and BPRD. And so it's just like this time of upheaval. And um, it's been going on for, I mean, for the last couple of years, but I get the sense that they're, they're heading towards something and reaching the new normal and heading into a new, 
a new world, which is what they're talking about in this issue, where Abe Sapien is sort of like he's going to sort of fulfill Hellboy's role now that Hellboy's down in hell. And this is this is Abe Sapien's time. And I've always it's finally, liked it's finally his time in the sun. It's finally his time, yeah. And he's he's undergo sort of like a, like a beast, like Hank McCoy. He's going through um, his own sort of secondary mutation, and he's changing up a bit. And I really like the new design. Um, it's even more bestial and more frog-like. And he's sort of a fugitive and on the run now. And I like this new world. I just I look forward to when we can stop talking about how it got that way. Right. And it just being normal. So this also made me really want to avoid going to Colorado. <laughs> Because there's, there's, there's a lynching. Um, there's a lynching, and there's just monsters, and I just it doesn't seem like a good time for Colorado in the Hellboy universe. You know, the, the other thing, and this is I don't know, this, uh, is it just me or like do lynching scenes sort of come out of nowhere? Like someone just has a noose and it just goes <laughs> up over a tree branch. I mean, it's like it's it's twisted and and sinister, but like that's how it, it just like sort of came out. Like whoa, that guy came prepared. I think if you're the kind of person that's going to lynch people, you're going to have that. Those you just have one in your back pocket, you and it goes up over the tree. We see him grab the rope out of the truck, so he he at least had rope, and it doesn't look like a very well tied noose. As a as a former Boy Scout, I can say that that knot could use some work. So. It was it was just it was just kind of like whoa, this escalated. And I got, and I'm it's a great cliffhanger, and I'm excited for the next issue. I should say. Now I dropped off of Stormwatch when Paul Cornell left. I didn't read the Peter Milligan stuff, but I came back for Jim Starlin. I was curious because it was that was seemed like a good pairing. I didn't get to talk about nineteen. This is twenty. A couple of interesting things. One, it's a sort of a tale of two books because I really enjoyed the story, but the art is is rough. Yeah, as you can say about a lot of DC books right now. But I like the fact that in nineteen these celestial beings said, "You know what? This isn't working. Let's let's redo this." And they just sort of snapped their fingers and redid the timeline. And now we've got a whole new Stormwatch team with a new logo. Although some of the members are the same, but you've basically got a whole new, new versions of them, a new logo. And Starlin's kind of crazy cosmic sensibility works for this book. It feels like a throwback. And I know that probably will be popular with lots of people, but it does feel kind of like a book from 15 years ago. But Starlin's always been the king of, of cosmic stories. And you know, in that sense, I think his being on this book really works. And he really wants to sell that weird character. <laughs> like, like, he wants you to love the weird. Like, he yeah. pops up in everything, yeah. everything he does now, and he's just, like, really dedicated to it. I really wanted, like, I was surprised to see this on the list, and so it was like I went back and checked out 19 and, and 20, and I don't know, between the Lobo and well, the, uh, awful. I, I, and the art, yeah. I, I kind of want to relegate, I, really, that's a bad word, but I, 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 I want to think of, I want to think fondly on Jim Starlin and think about Infinity Gauntlet and things like Dreadstar, and I, I don't want to say he's gone sort of down a Frank Miller path, but he's, I think he's gone down a Frank Miller path for in, me, at in, least, what in terms of quality, in, not in terms of being crazy. In that you'd rather avoid it in the modern in that, sort of Yeah, I'd, I'd rather terms. just enjoy that stuff from the past, and I, I think this stuff is just of a lesser, I don't so know. So I was a huge Authority fan back in the day, and then kind of it all spiraled out of control and eventually wound up with Stormwatch. And so I, I like some of the characters in here, and I like that they're keeping Apollo kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's a pretty, I think that's probably his biggest difference from Superman, but like the engineer, who's a really cool character, literally just is standing off to the side the entire issue. And right. so I'm just kind of wondering, like, what is the plan for some of these characters? And are they actually going to use the full potential of what I think these characters have? Well, we'll find out. It's very early. And I think the, the, the biggest problem is going to be comparing it to you have to kind of put old authority out of your mind because it's just not going to be that, you know, it's not going to be as fresh as interesting as, as that was back then. You know, a good way to think of it is, is like if you if you poured Moss Eisley's cantina into Jabba's palace, that's how weird this is. 
like and, and how populated it is. I like that though. And I, I just I mean you take away Lobo who I hate and, and you could put a new artist in the book, I think it'd be really interesting. But I don't know how long I'm gonna stay. That, I like the audacity. It might do it for me, I don't know. Yeah. It over, but we'll see. <laughs> that should be the, that should have been the sequel to Authority, The Audacity. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the books we're gonna talk about this week. You can go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list, you can rate and review your books, and you can also choose your own pick of the week. We like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the users, and these numbers are all time of recording. And the number five book from the users is Superior Spider-Man number nine with six percent of the votes. Number four was three news stories with six point six percent of the votes. Number three was Animal Man twenty. With 17.6% of the votes. Number two, Hawkeye number 10, with 23.2% of the votes. And number one was All New X Men 11, with 30.3% of the votes. And you get a nice even spread there between the top yeah. three. No consensus choice. No. Sometimes there's a very big consensus. This is nice, nice widespread. So let's look at some of the individual user reviews. Jose Rivera, 83, set of Action Comics number 20, story a 4 out of 5, art a 4 out of 5, pick of the week percentage at the time of recording, 0.3%. This issue does what a good second issue of a run should do. It picks up the threads left by the cliffhanger and advances the story. Lex has infected Superman with a virus that feeds off of his Kryptonian cells and mutates into a horrible monster. I've seen this before in Superman comics with cancer, with a K, in Joe Kelly's run, but just because it's similar doesn't mean it's bad. Luther has uh, also infected the people of Metropolis and is setting himself up to be their savior at Superman's expense. You may be thinking this is a story you've heard before, but hey, it's well told here, and I can't wait to see where this goes. This one, I gotta be honest with you, kind of a letdown after uh, number 19, and it's sort of like it's... Uh, this, this drift happened far quicker than I thought it would. I, I pulled the, the dick move of saying, well, he's leaving the book, so I'm not even going to bother. You know, because I figure it's, it's going to be rebooted again. Not rebooted right. is a bad word, but it's going to be restarted again with a new creative team, so might as well wait for that one. The art takes a slight dive. I mean, the, the, I think the, the, the attention to character takes a bit of a dive. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just not... I mean, it, it, it feels like, actually, I was like two or three pages in and I was like, am I reading Superman by accident? Like, <laughs> wow. like it felt like I, I, it didn't feel like the same series to me. Yeah. Um, even though it picked up on this, the threads and the cliffhanger, like you said, from issue 19, but this just, it felt like a new 52 Superman as, issue. As a Superman fan, you're really hanging your hat on Superman Unchained because if that doesn't pan out, you're that and, um, and the adventures of Superman. Right. Um, well, the comics I want to say one thing about action comics is that there yeah, is a backup in this that is is very pretty to look at, but it's being written by Scott Lobdell, and I kind of have a problem with Kryptonians quoting Shakespeare. I'm not really sure how they have the context yeah. of Shakespeare. I don't think it's really yeah, that you're appropriate. Right. It's like right. Klingons. All right, go. Let's read the next one, Ryan. Okay, so I had a I had a rusty alpha parts moment where I could not figure out this user's name, but I have now figured it out. Is Logan Alpha? Mm. I was like Loganiful, <laughs> but um, he reviews the Superior Spider-Man, gives the story a two out of five, and the art a three out of five. Pick of the week percentage, as we already mentioned, was six percent. This was the number fifth picked book, and he says. Now I understand people hate Slot's handling of Peter, and I understand that it's inevitable that Peter shall return. It's comics, it happens. However, there is only so long that you can watch one of your favorite characters be tortured so personally. If it happened to Wolverine, it wouldn't matter so much, as Wolverine has done some pretty vile things. It would also make a pretty good story there. In fact, it did. See, Wolverine goes to hell. However, Peter Parker, with Peter Parker, it feels so wrong that it's almost like he's being raped. Not by a bad story, but the fact that someone else is inside him, controlling him into things that they have no right to do. 
There's only so much more you can see of a character getting the short draw before you don't want to read it anymore. It's almost like Overkill with the bad things that happen. Ock is already in Pete's body. Pete was being forced to see someone run his life. That was enough. By killing Peter again, it's too much, and I personally don't want to read that happening to the character I love. I'm not a hater. I bought and read the previous issues and was interested and enjoyed the story up until now, but ah, well. How and when Peter comes back will be interesting, but I would rather not read this until he does come back, so I'm voting with my cash and jumping off here. This is really interesting. I, I haven't been reading this book, but um, enough people were talking about it. I was like, I should, I should probably check this out and report back on it. This, it's an interesting, from a, on a conceptual level, this is sort of like an inception sort of issue where Doc Ock is trying to get rid of the last resid, residual you know, remnants of uh, – residual remnants – of Peter Parker <laughs> in his mind. You know, so that it can just be him. And Pete is sort of like, it's sort of his last stand, like all his memories. And he's in, so Doc Ock has to actually go into a visualization of Pete's memories. And the Inception thing is sort of where the Daily Bugle is sort of dismantled from the top. And Pete is actively like losing like losing hold of all of his memories and the people that he knows. And like, he's, he's sort of like experiencing his past, like being torn out from under existence, erased from existence. Yeah. And, uh, he doesn't, and by the end of it, he doesn't, he's like, wait, I, but I'm Peter Palmer or something or Parker Palmer, whatever. And, and by the end, he's like, he doesn't exist anymore. So, Pete's gone. There's, but then you know he fights Doc Ock as Doc Ock, and then Doc Ock like rips off his face, and he becomes Spider Man, and so it's two Spider Man fighting each other, and it's it's heady stuff, but it it makes sense through the whole thing. It's consistent, and you know you can read it and understand it. I don't know. I also think Stegman's better where this than goes. three out of five. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Stegman brought it with this issue, and it looked really fantastic. Yeah, in a, in a I mean, in a trippy story like this, he really impresses by just how clear the story mm-hmm. is. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah. Those are the books. We uh, those user reviews. Sorry, again, it's fucking early. Those are the user <laughs> reviews. You can go to fmo.com slash comics. You can write your own user reviews, and uh, if they're good, we get them on the show. Yeah, and uh, another way to say that you love us is to buy a swing set or a crossbow. recreational a vehicle or a crossbow on Amazon.com. Just go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. There's also a link on, uh, on the homepage, and you can just buy stuff, and we get a little cut, a little percentage, a little love from that. And uh, we do appreciate it. So, And you can also make that your, your sort of uh, your bookmark. So every time you go to Amazon, you're going to the uh, iFanboy affiliate thing for Amazon, and we get the love. So thank you. So thank you. Book of the Month. Now, normally we'd be talking about the Book of the Month um, on this podcast, but we already did a book explode. So we figured we can point you over. Me and Ryan book about Mind Management Volume 1, The Manager, hardcover by Matt Kint, which is available where all fine comic books are sold. We liked this a lot, didn't we, Ryan? We did. And we, we learned or a lot. Or did we? Did Matt Kent just did, did make ma- us? manage you? So we've done this once before with a, with a serious polyp where we moved the Book of the Month discussion over to a Booksplode show. Uh, we did that here because Ryan and Paul talking for an hour about the book as opposed to five minutes on this show is probably much more interesting. So uh, if you want to hear Paul and Ryan's thoughts about the Book of the Month, go over to the Booksplode. 
So check that out over there. There's a, a lot of Easter eggs. If you don't know a lot about mind management, it's sort of it's like it's a little like Lost. There's even a forward by Damon Lindelof, and there's a flight eight one five. So if you remember that time when you really loved uh, Lost before you didn't like it anymore and hated Damon Lindelof, check out mind management. Um, and there's also my text review, uh, and you get to see the creepy portrait of Meru with uh, her brain pan exposed throughout the month of May. Awesome. So let's do some audience questions. The first one's from Herman, who writes and says, If you were William Randolph Hearst, would you A, buy a comic company and publish the comics you want to read, or B, use your influence to push a war with North Korea and call them Nazis so that in 10 years' time a multitude of comic continuity problems could be reconciled with the real world? The JSA and Captain America would reminisce about fighting Nazis back in the war. They could have kids that were born really later in their life, and the Punisher and Iron Man could have a war to be tied into their origins. No more sliding timeline. Magneto would be out of luck because sometimes you just can't fix everything. I think this has merit. Um, <laughs> but then again, that, that Red Dawn reboot happens. And so maybe – but maybe, maybe that was you know something to learn from. And well, if I was William Randolph Hearst, number one, I would definitely not do A because I'd be a good businessman. I would know that would be a, a waste of my money. But I would definitely do B, but not for the sliding timeline, but so I could sell a lot of newspapers and become even richer. Because that's what William Randolph first did. So if I was him, that's what I would do. Right? Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Um, Have you seen San Simeon? I'd start a war to live there. I think the idea here, though, is that it's, it's not about making a good or bad investment. It's like you're swimming in money. So well, you just do whatever you want and it wouldn't be, you know, it would be that big a deal if it, if it failed on you. I don't know. It, it's a big deal for a guy like that. For a guy like me, if I'm William Randolph first, I would definitely. <laughs> you still want more money on top of the money. Well, that's what he was. That's what he did. Everybody runs out of money eventually if they spend it. Well, then if you're gonna if you're gonna be broke by the end anyway, why not go down with some comics? I, I think I'd do A. I think I'd buy. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't buy a comic company. I'd probably just make my own. I don't know why I gotta buy one. If why don't I you ask Mark Alessi how that went. I don't know who that is. He started CrossGen. Wasted his. Yeah, money. but I would I would do it. But this is. I mean, are we in the time when William Randolph first? No, we're doing alive? it now. Oh. Well, I didn't know we were doing it now. Adjusted for inflation or? Yeah, he's, well, the whole point of doing it now is to fix the timeline. He, right. That's why he wants to war with North Korea. If you were William Randolph Hearst IV. Hmm. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do it now. Nazis are evergreen, I think. Yeah. You it doesn't matter. Deal with, deal with the sliding timeline. That's, yeah. that's, that's just a fact of life. I'm very interested in this location. Joshua S. from Boys Ranch, Texas? He's written it before, <laughs> yeah. I, and it and it seems familiar, but is that like is that a theme park or <laughs> is that the name? I, I'm serious. Like I'm not trying to be glib or anything. I just it sounds like okay. Looks I like was wondering. I was wondering what was the first comic book that you guys bought and who what got you into reading comics. I thought this was a good question to do on this yeah. show because me and Josh and Ron talked about this a lot. We even did a whole video show about this. But you guys are two guys who haven't really talked about it. So what was it that got you guys first in the comics? What was the fir- one of the first books you, you bought? Okay. I, I don't know exactly what my first comic purchase was. I probably inherited some comics first, and it would have been a mix of things. I know my dad got me the <laughs> the, the movie adaptation of uh, White Fang mm-hmm. as a graphic novel. I got that. I have no idea who did that or what even publisher put that out. But then the first comics I was buying, it was it was the uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff, the and it like not the indie stuff, not the Eastman and Laird thing. It was the Archie, you know, the tie-in with the with the cartoon. And the one that really got me, like really hooked into it, was um, when they did the uh, official handbook 
not of the Marvel universe, but of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. And it was like two or three volumes. And they're just like a like a big sort of like a prestige length comic. And I would flip through that thing for hours and hours on end and read these character bios and, you know, look at those images. And it just like, I don't know, it just activated my imagination. And then I created my own characters and stuff. And so that, that, that's those, that was my first comic book love. Ryan? Uh, I So I wrote about this in one of my columns, but for me, it was when I was a little kid, I had, I think I got them from a bookstore where they were like a pack of issues, you know? So yeah. one of them was a Spider-Man issue where it was like the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man and he fights the Harry Osborn Green Goblin, um, Spectacular Spider-Man 189. And then another one was one of the Trial of Superman comics. Do you remember that storyline? Mm-hmm. Anybody? He had the mm-hmm, long mm-hmm. hair still, and there were all the different oh, other yes. Supermen still around. Yes. Um, so I, I remember I read the last issue of that where he comes back to Earth and like kisses Lois and all that. I, so I read that a ton. But then when, as a kid, it was mostly just about the cartoons, the, you know, the Bruce Timm and uh, the Spider the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, um, yeah. And in high school, I think I got back in with both kind of the launch of the Ultimates line because they put a lot of those issues for free online. So I used to read them during lunch. And then I also really was into Peter David's Captain Marvel run with uh, Janice Vell, the very trippy, heady one. Cool. Those are good ones. Yeah. It's fun to go back and think. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't tell you the exact issue because I always had comics around. But the, the, the early books, I always was reading Batman books and G.I. Joe and things like that. So I, and a lot of Bronze Age DC books that I was reading as a kid. It's always fun to go back and figure out what was the first one. You can uh, write us and tell us your first comic at contact.ifanboy.com as well as send us any questions for the show. And you can also call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. In both cases, please tell us your name and where you're from. It's much more fun to know where these letters are coming from. Herman, which you didn't do. <laughs> Maybe Herman is writing from San Simeon. Even if enough. you make up a place like Boys Ranch, Texas. <laughs> um, I'm kidding. No, but then the <laughs> another one of my the touchstones for me, uh, Amalgam Comics. Amalgam? Amalgam, sorry. I think I pronounced Amalgam? it Amalgam. Yeah. I've never heard that pronunciation. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, it was just, that was the other thing. It was just me. I wasn't talking about it with anyone else. So to me, it was Amalgam Comics. And um, I, act, I actively went to the mall when they had a comic shop and I sought those out. So that was, that was a big thing for me. Um, as we mentioned, we have some other podcasts out there. Uh, we mentioned the Booksplode on our Book of the Month, Mind Management, Volume 1. Go check that out, and we'll have some Talksplodes and other Booksplodes for you soon. Also, this weekend saw the release of Iron Man 3 in America. The three of us, me and Paul and Ryan, got together to talk about the film. So you can check on that on the podcast feed, uh, or you can find the stream on ifanboy.com. And it's a big release. Marvel Studios is Phase 2 in the first big summer movie of the season. So we had a lot of fun talking about that film. And so check it out. You can also go to ifanboy.com and read Paul's spoiler-free review of the film. I do a podcast every week, or I try to get it out every week, called Science Sort Of. It's a science podcast that where we drink a beer and talk about things that are science, things that are sort of science, and things that wish they were science. Listen, and you might learn something. Not so easy to do a podcast every week, is it, Ryan? <laughs> I manage. I do all right. I do my best. You do very well. It's just it's hard. People don't realize how hard it is. Yeah. yeah. Put a lot of work. That, I put a lot of work into it. I'm proud of it. It's, I think it's, it's like, a, I think it's it's like mining coal. I think it's a little easier than mining coal. Coming from coming from a coal state, I'm going to go ahead and give the coal miners the edge on that one. It's like mining coal in Minecraft. We could do a coal mining podcast where we Um, mines. That's why my 
podcast, Fuzzy Typewriter, about story, storytellers, art, and artists is not a weekly show. It's just a surprise podcast that pops up <laughs> every once in a while. Oh, snap! New Fuzzy yeah, Typewriter it snap. It's, it's much like the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and <laughs> I think the, ne- the next one that's going to be out, um, I've been sitting on this one for a while, but we've got a show about Warren Ellis's gun machine. Um, you can check that out. I did a two-part thing on uh, Bioshock Infinite if you're into the video games. And uh, soon coming up, we're going to be talking about the Rocky movies, actually, with uh, iFanboy's own Jeff Reed. Didn't you, so didn't check you do like out. a summer movie series last year? Yes, we did. We should do that again. Should do that again. I keep telling him I want to be on the Fast and the Furious Six show, but because we want, we need an excuse to talk about things like Elysium and Pacific Rim, which we can't necessarily talk about on iFanboy. I wish I had had lunch with iFanboy writer Mike Romo last weekend, and I wish I had recorded the conversation in which me and our our former writer Ben Simpson convinced Mike to watch the Fast and the Furious movies. It was very entertaining. That trailer looked pretty good. They're they're fantastically dumb movies. Yeah, but it looked entertaining. All you right. can find all the stuff at, except for Science Sort of and Fuzzy Type Writer because they're not on iFanboy, but you can find all the rest at iFanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review. You can read Paul's Book of the Month review. You can find all the in-depth discussion. You can find Ryan's weekly column on Wednesdays. All the great stuff's happening. There's a great Iron Man discussion, uh, free comic book day. If you went and got your free comic books, you go to iFanboy.com and tell people all about what you read. Uh, you also go to fanboy.com slash about. You can learn about these two jamokes and me and everybody else who writes for iFanboy and find our social network links and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash iFanboy. You can also email us uh, with your keyboard and a computer box at contact at iFanboy.com or leave us a voicemail at one fanboys That's one 326 2697 Remember to leave your uh, name and where you're calling from when you do that. But you can call with any anything. Question, a comment, a concern, a discussion topic, etc. Try to keep it to 30 seconds or less because it's just we it's hard enough to keep this show tight, people. Come on, help us out. And if you dig us, write us a review on iTunes or better yet, tell your friends about us, introduce your mom to podcasts, spread your iFanboy love, and uh, I don't know, put some put some thumb drives out there at the movie theater, tell people at Iron Man 3, just stop them and like, talk about the movie and then say, hey, if you want to hear some great comic book discussion, um, listen to iFanboy, I guess. That's how it works. That's how it works. Well, that's it for this week's show. We're going to go take a nap. I'm running on pure adrenaline right now. As soon as the show ends, I'm going to crash, and it's going to be spectacular. Uh, So until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. Goodbye. Was I supposed to say bye-bye? Was that my line? Sleepy time. Bye-bye. Sleepy time. Take a bow